welcome to episode six of the One Life Church podcast. And today's going to be pretty fun. We're talking about the topic of church discipline. And uh, we have some special friends here to talk about that. And we have to my left, Ryan Nunn, campus pastor of One Life Henderson. Ryan, you've been on half the episodes of the podcast now. Yeah, episodes. I love it. 50%. Yeah. 50%, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us again. And then on the opposite end of the table, we have Larry May. And Larry is an elder here at One Life Church. And um, then we also have our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. And Brett, I was going to ask you first off to explain to us, what is the role of an elder at One Life Church? What is the role of an elder at One Life Church yeah, or one just Life in Church. general? Okay, not like a, the Bible one, but the One Life one. Are they different? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Are they different? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> we, we get it exactly right. Uh, the, the role of an elder, it is to, it's like a board of directors. I mean, there is a legal side to it that um, it, it's required by us uh, because we are a nonprofit organization to have a board of directors. So it does serve that role, but then also... Uh, it's kind of a mix of the the model of an elder in the church. So an elder, it does literally mean older in the Bible, and it means shepherd. And so it's the idea that there's some people who are more mature in the faith or have been doing this longer and have insight and all that to kind of give oversight uh, to everything. And so uh, we do that in general, and we talk about church discipline issues, mm-hmm. incidentally. Uh, but we also talk about just board directive things. They do everything from budgets to uh, deciding who makes what? Uh, that's that's right. It's it's Larry decides that pretty much all by himself. He just Hi, comes up with you the, what you guys are making. Hey it's his fault. That's kind of what you he does. Go get some dinner uh, Wonderful. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, you can brown yeah. nose him like crazy. So, the house uh, here. so we get together and just kind of are accountable for those things and do basic overall direction and oversight. I think is a good way to put it. And you know, what are we going to emphasize at One Life? Where are we going to go if we do plant another site or uh, just larger block questions before the uh, the staff gets to that and does more specific kinds of things. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay, yeah. good. I think right. well, good. That's what we do. Yeah. And then Larry, while you're here, could you tell us just a little bit about just your background in life as people are kind of getting to know you um, as an elder? Just tell sure. us a little more about you. Sure. Well, um, I've been at One Life since about the time West was launched. Okay. I'm a dad, um, three children, uh, two grown and one still at home and a husband, about 36 years and a retired uh, business uh, owner from a company here in town. Awesome. Thank you. And, and recently, re- yeah, I recently retired and, mm-hmm. and, um, and enjoying that. Is that, is that a good, yeah. is that, that's yeah. a good thing? It's okay. still something I'm figuring out. Okay. I'm not sure I've got it all figured out yet. But that's right. It's, it's uh, like every day is a Saturday, I just right? call it a retirement <laughs> season because I'm not really sure what's <laughs> oh, okay. next. Before you, okay. Good. Oh, that's all right. That's fine. Okay. Um, as we kind of start out, as we are talking about church discipline, it is kind of one of those weird topics. I know even Brett, as you were speaking this Sunday about it, if anyone wants to uh, go back and listen to that message, you can hear it um, anywhere uh, on our website, onelifechurch.org, or on our uh, app, just on the One Life app. You can go back and listen to that. But before we get into that, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about what was discipline, discipline like um, for you growing up, like in your home. Uh, for me or for, for Anybody. Ryan? Anybody. Uh, for, <laughs> Anybody uh, that wants to go. Yeah, for, for, yeah, for Ryan, oh, what for was Ryan? it like? Yeah. yeah. That's right. What was like what discipline look like? Um, well, so if you look at me, uh, you'll, um, you know, roughly 5'8", five, 5'9", five, when my dad was like, you know, 6'2", and he was a construction guy, so really, really kind of big dude, you know, like everybody was scared of my dad. That's kind of how that worked. I mean, he's, uh, this was a long time ago, so he's not as scary as he was, but but he, he used to be super scary. 
And so discipline really looked a lot about all he had to do was look at me and I was just afraid of what he might do. So he never really had <laughs> to do much. He never um, did it. Just kind of, you thought, yeah. well, if he ever does decide to do something, but the few times over. that he did do something, I very vividly remember them. Uh, so, really? uh, okay. yeah, nothing, you know, he's just, he's a good dad and he's a great dad. Yeah. Uh, mom was a little bit more of the, uh, kind of placator, if you will, the people, she just kind of let me get away with, I was the youngest of, um, three and I was the only boy. I have two older sisters, and so I got away with pretty well, much. You didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least in my mom's <laughs> eyes. In mom's. Uh, until yeah. I was a teenager, and then it was a little different. I did lots of things wrong. Yeah. Uh, so really, discipline in my house was um, really minimal. My parents trusted us a lot, and really, they had a great home, great upbringing, um, and didn't really get in a lot of trouble either. So it really was huh. more of disrespect things that are your average you know, teenager or, or kid would go through as opposed to... Right really bad behavior. I don't remember ever really doing anything terrible. You know what I mean? Right. What we would classify as terrible. I guess right. <laughs> That's a terrible. Okay. We all classify those things differently though. So might be, uh, what about you, Larry? Uh, similar uh, fear was a lot of the <laughs> discipline, uh, but maybe a little more than more often than what yeah. you experienced, Ryan, and probably you were probably just a worse so. kid, though. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. You could ask okay. my brothers; they would they would yeah, agree okay. with that. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, what you talked about Sunday in the message about valuing the uh, you know individual and humility, approaching it from a standpoint of humility, none of that existed. <laughs> and first of all, I had a great upbringing, but when it came to to discipline, it was it was behavior and response. There's really no need to figure out what was behind that or what was I thinking or what's right. the inner feelings. It's just, you do this, you're going to get in really big trouble. And it, often, yeah. and not often, but frequently, fairly frequently included a belt or a switch from a tree. You know, switch from a tree? Do you have to go get your own switch? That was uh, I have had to do that. That's the worst thing ever. Go get a switch from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's tough. Yeah, that's right. See, good, we're a little older, uh, Sarah, so we're probably talking in terms like uh, like I got paddled in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did. I did too. But, I've heard uh, stories about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It, it, uh, but once. I remember you I'll did get it once. It yeah. One time, I got it once. Eighth what grade. Did, what did you do? Eighth grade. Seventh grade for me. It yeah. was really kind of dumb. I was just kind of running and jumping over chairs <laughs> when the teacher was out of the room. So de- definitely not something I thought was worthy of a, of a, of a paddling, but yeah. obviously no doubt. That's he pretty did. hardcore. That's right. That's right. I, I remember the lady, she, she grabbed that paddle with, it looked like she was grabbing a baseball Riding bat and yeah. gave it everything she had. Cause I watched her do three of my friends before me. Now and we she did. Was, she was tired by the time she got to me. I had an aunt right. and that, that would use that because it was me and my cousins and we were all boys and rowdy and we would do dumb things. Nothing, nothing terrible, but dumb, like jump off roofs and you know, just things like that. And I remember, I remember a paddle, uh, yeah. She she pulled it out several times. I I do remember that very, very vividly yeah. at that home. I'm envisioning it right now. Actually, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so you're nursing a broken leg after yeah. you jump off a roof yeah, and you top that off with a paddling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Blistered on on the uh, backside. It like contains that. its own punishment. Jumping off roofs. It uh, was effective. Yeah. You think I all this will have to be roofs. censored though? Because we're talking about our corporal. Ex- punishment experiences statute limitations that right? yeah oh is it okay yeah because i was just i remember the teachers a lot of my teachers had paddles on the wall mm-hmm. it was just yeah. hung them there as kind of this reminder inducing mm-hmm. thing which it worked um, absolutely my but, mom was a teacher and yeah. the principal he had them on his wall her yeah. principal before i started school i remember going in there oh and my seeing gosh. he had two or three on his wall <laughs> So Sarah, what I it, what did what was mine like? Yeah, what did discipline look like for you? We're so, talking about school. Um, I mean, I'm talking more. I think in more a home. This might be hard for you guys to believe, but like I was 
not that I didn't get in trouble, but I was so concerned of disappointing my mom that I just never, like if I did something, I was more, um, like upset with myself. You know, I'd go to her and be like, I'm sorry, oh, I did man. this. <laughs> I know. I don't really I've have heard of like, children like that. I've never had one, <laughs> yeah, but right. it sounds really intriguing. <laughs> they are out there. You're in. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, you're I the mean, one, you're the one out there. She would raise her voice. Like, and it, as soon as she'd raise her voice, I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I did it. You know, like wow. I just, um, there were times though. I mean, I know that we definitely got spanked, but like it, it, I can't think of too many times. I think it was more of that fear that she was going to. Um, or she'd be like, I'm going to call your grandfather, which was like, you know, my grandfather's this big like, domineering personality. And I'd be like, no, don't do that. You know, like, cause I didn't know what he was actually going to do, but yeah, it was more, always that idea of like, I don't want to disappoint my mom. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I remember my, my mom would say, you know, uh, don't make me tell your dad. Cause when, <laughs> and I didn't want her to do that. Yeah. You know, said, He's coming home and it, let's, let's <laughs> just settle between us. You know, I'm going to bribe you or whatever else to keep from telling dad that and i yeah. think i saw my bro- my brother's older and he was in trouble all the time and so it was almost like oh I got it was it was like the opposite where i'm like oh, i'm good i don't want to do that you know i see what what happened to him i didn't want that to happen to me <laughs> yeah. it's wisdom it is it that, that is wisdom yeah. so um, I guess so as we move into talking more about the message, um, from Sunday, I know that you asked everyone to read Matthew 18. Um, and it was funny, like we had talked, you said at the end of the podcast last week, right. you mentioned that. And I, I met someone this past week, um, at our art exhibit opening. And he said that he loved that because he went ahead and read it before he, before service on Sunday. And he had never really read through that and was really interested in that. Is there anything from that passage that you didn't really get to pull out that you would kind of highlight here? Well, that I didn't. Uh, yeah, that she didn't oh, really get to play. Yeah, I, I think uh, I do think it, it it flows out really nice, and, I, and the original design of the message was to get through the whole thing in kind of a big block form. But I just couldn't do the last segment of it because it starts with the value thing, which was is what we did with um, uh, you know the little one speech that he gives, and then he goes into the discipline thing. But then the next deal is the very famous thing where Peter says to him, "How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times." And he says, "No, seventy-seven. And then he tells the story about. Uh, the unmerciful servant who was forgiven this uh, un, uh, unpaid, unable to be paid back amount. Uh, and then he goes and he's forgiven that by the king. And then he goes out and goes to his, uh, his fellow servant and, and kind of chokes on him and all that. So that all flows together. And I think it is, it's one giant package about the subject of not just, not just church discipline, but it's about how we have relationships inside of a church environment. And it's supposed to be high on value, high on uh, being candid and being able to talk to one another, and then high, very high on the forgiveness side of life because we have been forgiven so much. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the people that are supposed to be disciplining us are the ones that have a very... Um, have an enormous sense of their own grace they've received from God because that's the design of the church. It's supposed to be a bunch of people sitting at a table that know how much they've been forgiven of. So that was the the idea. But I didn't get to cover the forgiveness part. Uh, that's the part I had to leave out. Hmm. But will you forgive me for that? I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, think about it. That was a really dumb joke. <laughs> really, really dumb. But anyway, yeah, that's that's the, the part that I thought was really neat. Okay. Anything um, from... Ryan, Larry, anything that you would kind of, I don't know, highlight that stuck out for you that maybe either was interesting and heard before, made you think of something different? I know you'll love this. I'm not buttering up to you, but I really did think the Judah thing was a, was a good, it was just a great illustration for me. Um, Cause you, you hear those things and I love, I think of my favorite part or the part that really stood out was the, you said that he had no, 
Judah has really no awareness of social hierarchies. Like he, he doesn't right. get that. He's just a kid relying on the adults in the room to get him where he needs to go to feed him and all that stuff. So he has no idea. So becoming like a child that, that in the, in the disciplinary processes, we get so tore up about, you know, don't judge me this and that whenever it's not really driven by that. It, it's more driven towards, um, no, there's not necessarily a social hierarchy or me judging you or not judging you. It's all driven by this idea that we're forgiven. Um, and then also what we claim as followers of Jesus, this is kind of my big boil down. What we, our claims, we're saying we want to be more like Christ. We want to do all this. And so because we're all in, in the church on that same goal, then our, our, our desire for one another is that we're, we're staying on the journey. And when we get off of that journey, um, you know, throw the social hierarchies out the window and, and we, we can just kind of help hold each other accountable or discipline or however you want to call it. Yeah, for, for me, the magic to the to the illustration, well, there was twofold. Number one, he was my grandkid. <laughs> that didn't hurt. I mean, I, I would do like that part and he's super cute. We all know that. Uh, but it, it is doing exactly, uh, it was like being able to do an illustration that you can read from the text. It is exactly what Jesus did. So he called a little child to him and he set him among them. And it's a great <laughs> picture of these guys that had just been wondering about these things and they're looking at this little kid. And I was hoping, and as you do, as you kind of watched him wandering around the stage and picking things up and playing with the light and all that, you, you wonder what those guys were thinking about. Uh, what were they seeing? But I loved being able, because it's not very often you can do that, is do a, a, an actual direct thing that Jesus himself did. And it was nice to have a grandkid laying around the, to, to do that with. So, Larry, what about you? Was there anything I love kind of the rose questions the at the end. I, um, um, you know, is there someone who can really speak correction to you? And then what about that relationship allows that to happen? I thought about that, and I thought really probably the three people that I would trust most are um, uh, my best friend um, who lives in Evansville here, a close family member, the closest besides my, immediately, my immediate family, the, the family member who's closest to me, knows me best for many years, uh, and then my wife. Those are the three people that came to mind in terms of who could really speak correction uh, to me. And, um, and then the, the second question, why is that? Why, yeah. why would you receive that? And it's just because I know their motivations. Those three people, without, without any doubt, I mean, I, I could receive correction from you, Brett, yeah. Sarah, Ryan. I could receive correction from fr other friends and family. But those three people, like nobody else, they, I know that they're for me. And they right. they love me. That sounds kind of cheesy, but I really know those three people would have no other motivation. If they came to me and said, "Larry, I see something in your life that yeah. I that that bothers me, or it's it's a concern for me," I would be right. listening, and yeah. I would really be ready to take notes and make a change because they just they're they're a hundred percent for me. And it sort of reminds me of you know really this whole series where we're trying to go with the kinds of relationships. Yeah. that we want to see in our church are those kinds of deep relationships where we know we're for each other. Yeah. We love each other. We know each other well enough to really, really love with action. Yeah. Um, then I think it would make church discipline a lot easier because, you know, people would be more, I'd be more receptive to that kind of yeah. discipline. In, in that sense, it's almost like, and, and the text doesn't use church discipline. I just don't know what else to call it because it flies under that banner. It probably would be easier to name it something else because when we hear the word discipline, we're like, oh, that's terrible. You know, it's, it's scared of dad coming home kind of stuff. But um, you know, when you think of it as just a friend, helping a friend uh, overcome something that maybe is a weakness in your life, 
that's a little bit different. I mean, so mm-hmm. maybe the anybody got another branding we could put on it or something where we could actually have that happen. And because I think when I say discipline, we hear elders, I'm in trouble. Uh, they're what are they? You know, they have cameras somewhere. They're watching me live. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know how I do. So maybe we could brand it a little bit different. So um, well, you yeah. know, the book Crucial Conversations isn't that. Um, um, isn't, yeah, isn't there a book yeah. named Crucial? There is a book yeah. called Crucial Conversations. And that to me is what we're yeah. talking about, yeah. especially the first part of Matthew 18 yeah. where it says go one-on-one. You know, you're really looking for a relationship that really allows for that crucial conversation. If we right. could get that done right, do it well. Yeah, absolutely. Not just bail, not just kind of come to a negotiated settlement, but really get to each other's yeah. hearts. And um, in that, the rest of it wouldn't be required. Yeah, with all that, you know, Ryan kind of touched on this just a little bit ago. I think the major question in my mind for most people in, in our culture, because as Americans, we're very individualistic. We come into a church, and the concept of having someone sit me down and say, hey, because the, the text actually says, and show them their fault. <laughs> and then if they don't listen to you, you take more people to show them their fault. And if you don't listen, then it goes through this process. So what, how do we answer the question, uh, who are you to judge me? You're, you're not supposed to judge me. What are you doing showing me my faults? But at the same time, you just said there, there could be someone in your life, your wife, you, there's, there's your best friend, can show you your fault. So how do we answer that tension uh, between don't judge me, I'm, who are you to judge me, versus what he just said? Is that fair to ask it that way? I, I think so, but I think there's... So depending on who's saying that word would be, that would dictate how I answered the question. So if it's somebody that I don't know, um, I'm probably not going to be bringing up correction in their life anyway. But but if somebody I don't know as well, you know, I think the, the answer is that it's much less about judgment. I always go back to kind of what Mark Weaver says. He always says, it talks about the origin of something. Like where's it coming from? Because if it's, if it's you, Brett, or, or Sarah even, if I am kind of exposing, you know, a fault seems a little harsh, but, you know, just kind of encouraging somebody to, to observe kind of the realities of what's going on in their life. If the origin of that would be because I want Larry, Brett, Sarah, whoever it is to become more like Christ as they claim they want to be. So it's not like I'm saying if it's a, if it's a person that says, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, it's not like. This I'm pulling some bar out of thin air that I've created. Like it's it's a self-established bar that Christ Himself created. Um, that we're saying, no, no, no. Here, here's the standard of, of what we're what we're trying to do. And I feel like you're you're missing some of that. So do I sometimes. But you know, we walk in that. So, so here's where I feel like you just need to call it what it is, and let's figure out what steps we need to take to kind of move forward and and do that. So that that's kind of my approach. Is is I, I like to it's not necessarily judgment is seen as let me stand up on this bar and tell you why you need to be up here where I am. That's how I see that. But when I think about what we do as accountability or just, you know, even church discipline, I think about it more of, no, 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 we're in this thing together. So come with me. Let's call, um, this, let's call the, 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 uh, uh, fall or failure or whatever. Let's call it failure. Let's call it what it is. And let's figure out how we can together move past it. It's not, you know, so the question of, who are you to judge me? Probably wouldn't come up if it was approached from a spirit of humility uh, right. with the right person who knows me and loves me, and I know they're out for my best, you know, uh, for what's good for me and what's good for the body. But I guess that's in a perfect in a perfect world. Uh, right. There'd be someone like that close <laughs> right, enough to right. that person who could right. confront them 
And also, like you said in your message, from a spirit of humility. You know, I really want to restore you. This is for you. I love you, and I want to, I want to restore you. I, I want to prevent you from harming yourself or others. Right. Have you ever had a situation where... Uh, uh, where <laughs> Oops. Uh, you, you ever had a situation where uh, you, you thought you were coming with the right approach and you were trying to be <laughs> humble and, and they still were like, hey, who you judge me? Get out of my face. You, oh, yeah. yeah you, can name, name, you, you can you know, uh, disguise <laughs> things to protect the innocent. This well, is why I asked Ryan to be on today because so, I figured he had some of these stories. But right. my wife and I, you guys know this, you know, listeners may not, but uh, we do a lot of marriage stuff, not counseling necessarily, but we do, we call it marriage education to where we just help people resolve conflict or help them figure out how they can resolve the conflict in their lives. And, and that's relationships that's that we do pre-marriage stuff. And so there's always in, in the world of the kind of romantic relationships, you know, there's always things like kind of moral boundaries that they tend to get crossed or people want to cross them for whatever reason. And <clears throat> again, I always try to come back to somebody else's claim. Like here's, I'm not setting your bar. You've set your bar by what, by your claim. And so this is not necessarily a disciplinary action. This is, Hey, here's the claim. Are we walking this thing out? And I remember there was one particular couple that went totally against everything that I'd said or that we had talked through, um, completely disagreed with everything that I, that I had to, to say. I don't really want to get into the specifics, but, um, but went totally against it. And so I, we connected and I, and I kind of called them out on a little bit and said, Hey, here's what we talked about. Here's what's happening. And I was fired essentially. And they weren't paying me anything, but you know, I was like, Nope, you're cut out. How dare you? Who do you think you are? This is what's best for us. This is what we're going to do because we want to do that. And it really, at that point it became, I could say, yeah, but you know, the Bible says don't do that or don't do this or don't do that. You can't do this. But at the end of the day, because we had tried to have a loving conversation, they kind of shut me out. You know, hopefully at some point in time, other people that they love and care or they know love them and care about them will be able to interject it. But that completely backfired. And somebody that I thought trusted me and then I, we had worked on that rapport a little bit, completely blew up my face. And that's been multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question? Sure. Um, you anything you want. I know. I just like to... Uh, so uh, you're kind of the boss here, Sarah. I don't know about that. Kind of but, do what you want. But uh, as I, as we're talking about this, as you're, you, we even talk about um, the, the verse in Matthew 18. Like, I just have any of you ever done that specifically? Like, where you've gone to someone, they didn't listen, and then you literally went and took someone else with you, and they didn't listen, and then you took them before the church. Like, like that sounds so weird to actually do. Like, <laughs> I think we need to throw that out there to acknowledge that. Like, is anyone have you ever done that? The only thing, uh, yeah, I've been a part of the process before okay. uh, where I wasn't the starting person, but uh, in, you do church work enough, you'll run into that. And the way we uh, we did this, uh, we haven't done the full process at One Life yet, uh, but in another church I was at, we it made it all the way to the elders, which we said that when you say tell it to the church, and this is not uncommon, uh, I know there's churches out there that have literally stood people up and said, no, you know, Brother Joe over here wouldn't listen, and so he's out today, that kind of stuff. We haven't done that because we thought, well, the emphasis is on the privacy and the containment piece, and so we let the elders represent the church. But we did have someone, uh, it was just someone that was causing a lot of division, and everybody that he was around kept 
getting bad attitudes and he was just there just kind of poisoning everybody around him. And so one person went and tried to get him to shut down and then a couple people went and tried to shut him down and then he did come before the elders. And at that point he went ahead, oh, oh so this is a bad thing. <laughs> we're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because your next step is we're going to send you to another church in town because we'd like you to mess them up. No, but I'm it kidding. does sound funny doing, because when you yeah. say you know, turn them over to the church. I mean, I do envision, right. you can't help because I feel like we're extremes, you know, right. we, our, our insecurities drive us to the extreme. So it's like, oh no. So that means if I do this, I'm going to be drug up in front of the church and, and everybody's going to know my dirty laundry kind of thing. But that really kind of brought it down to a grassroots kind of, because there have been things that I've been brought into serious like interventions and, and even been a part of a couple of those that start with one person, then go to a couple of people and it ends up being like an entire family to where you're right. trying to help somebody on some drugs, adultery, something yeah, that, that's yeah. extreme. But then there's the other situations that are like our growth groups have like a person that just tends to be a little bit cancerous in there. And so the growth group leader will go talk to them and they didn't get anywhere. So they call myself or Heath even and okay, Hey, what's going on? How do we do this? How, why are we, why is this end up like it is? And it never really made it to the church, but in a sense, myself and even Heath can kind of represent yeah, they kind of our represent church. It. And, and you notice that the, the language is, and if he listens to you, you've won your brother. And if, and if he doesn't listen to you, so the goal is to get someone to listen because it's interesting that the world of addictions has that concept in it. You know, the intervention concept is the same exact thing because informally someone who's really destroying their life on drugs or alcohol or whatever someone's talked to them, you know, probably a loving mother or a spouse or someone has tried to shake sense into them and then they've brought maybe a friend. But an intervention is kind of telling it to the church, if you will, the same basic idea, like as many important people in this person's life as we can get to, this is a real true issue and you're not listening. And so I think that's the concept. But yeah, we experienced that. And, and Larry, we're not your first elder gig. And so you've had a little bit of experience back in there. And uh, you ever had any one of those? Kind Never of got to step, step three, take it right. before the church. I have, you know, the one-on-one -on -one and right. take it to another person. Yeah. But I, don't you think, I mean, the, the wisdom of the way Jesus laid that out, the one-on-one -on -one first, yeah. I really think if that's done well, if that's done with a spirit of hum humility and I want to correct you and help you and love you 90%, maybe 90% plus of the time, um, it's not going to go any further. So that's going to take care of it. I, in our business uh, that I retired from about a year and a half ago, we actually have a written uh, policy about conflict management, how to handle it. And it's based on uh, Matthew 18. And it, and really, wow. Yeah. And okay. so you'd have a lot of people that would come to a manager and say, you know, so and so, my coworker, I've got this issue. And, and it's a very strong cultural indoctrination at our, at our business that, no, have you talked to that person? The answer is no, then we're not talking. Uh, you got to go back right. one on one. And yeah. again, 90% of the time, if you do that with the right motivation, it never gets past step one because, um, I, I think when you go to step two, step three, then there's accusations. There's a sense of needing to defend yourself in, right. you know, in front of a group. Um, so, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. It, it is interesting, though, that 90 percent probably I think you're right. But getting people to do the that that one thing is is the biggest challenge of all. It is going and saying, you know, actually talk to that person. It's a lot easier for yeah. me to tell yeah. you the beef that I have with Ryan yeah. than it is for me to tell Ryan. Uh, face to face. I noticed face it was it. a whole lot easier for you. Most of us are I wouldn't conflict want to tell averse. That either. Yeah. yeah, and that's Absolutely. the basis for right. the the uh, Crucial Conversations book you referenced yeah. earlier, is that you don't have to choose between, you know, telling the truth and keeping a friend. 
It's kind of both. Mm-hmm. But I think when Jesus, when I read that Matthew 18, I was reading it today, I think the, the humility piece is assumed. It's like, yeah. you know, because the, the gospel or the good news is, is ulti- the ultimate leveling of the playing field, if you will. Um, and so, therefore, humility is kind of baked into, you know, the claim. And so, I think, but I do think you're right. I never thought about it quite like that. But yeah. And it is interesting, you know, it, it sounds foreign when you say church discipline, and I know there's been abuses out there and there's a lot of controversy around it, but when you really back up and think about it, it is used in the addiction recovery world. It is used in the business world. It is a great practice just to let's quarantine this thing down to one-on-one. Most things can be taken care of right there, but you have to do it. And if it doesn't work there in the, in the long shot possibility it doesn't, it goes just, he said, one or two others. That's it. You know, just kind of keep it contained. And that would be a great practice in any organization, much less a church. You know, I don't think it's, I think it strikes people odd on the surface, but when you really think about it, it doesn't stay there. Even, if you really go even the way you do the one-on-one, I mean, you, you've probably read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of those habits is seek first to be, uh, to understand before being understood. And that's just a matter of if you and I have a conflict, Brett, I'm going to continue to repeat back to you. So you're saying and really ask you questions until you can tell me that I fully understand the issue. You know, if we can do that well and just stay in communication as opposed to so often you see two people just kind of state their position, get mad and turn away and walk away, you know, and then then all it is is either a negotiated settlement, which is not very effective, or it's nothing's been done positive, you know. So if we do it well with humility but also seeking first, I think I've got this issue I need to confront you about, but if I'll I'll really try to understand your perspective on it rather than just kind of vomiting my perspective out on you, then (laughs) uh, there's a real, a lot better chance. That's a great word picture, Larry. I love that. (laughs) There's a a lot better chance that that you're going to receive my correction if I come in with an ear to hear well, where are you really coming from? Yeah, even, though I'm, even though I'm seeking yeah. to correct you, I really want to know where are you coming yeah. from in that process. And they say you can't really uh, challenge or debate anybody until you're able to articulate their position well, Yeah, that you've got to show that you understand someone. And that's good for a Christian witness. That's good for inter, you know, interpersonal interactions. I've got to be able to at least understand where you come from, where I can articulate it. So. Mm. Man, this podcast always just flies by as we start talking. Um, I I had a a thought there when you were saying that, Larry. Um, Even in in one of our staff commitments, it's on literally we have on the walls is, you know, we talk to people, not about people. And I remember seeing that from one of the first times um, when I first started working here full time and and thinking about that being something that's always kind of on your mind. Like even as you're saying that, like if it's handled well the first time and even saying that, like if that's something that's always on your mind, that it's not just something that you just it's on the wall that you actually think about. Like I talk to someone, not about them first. Um, that's the first thing you do. Then it always feels like it's handled differently because if I, you know, again, if I go talk to Larry about Ryan, I'm getting madder and madder and madder before I actually go. And then my emotions take over and it's never actually a real good conversation. Do so. you guys need to talk to me about anything? Yeah. That's like the third time. I'm good with the analogy. Yeah. Well, we're going to, yeah, it's going to happen in real time right now, which would make it amazing. Here's uh, the thing you guys should say. know. Ryan and I are good yeah. enough friends that we'll just tell each other straight to each other's face. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I believe it. And then he'll make me cry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, as we close up, anything else to add on this? I don't want to just end it um, 
Like if there's anything else you wanted to hit or highlight, especially with Larry here, I feel like. Uh, no, I wish I, 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 I should do that. Um, but uh, I, I really think it's just, you know, trying to get to a place of it calls for spiritual maturity to truly be willing to sit down with someone. Because if you'll notice, and this is one of the dangers of social media, people rage at one another on paper. They rage against one another that way. But it's a whole lot different if you're willing to sit down with someone in the room, in person. For most normal people, it takes their edges off a lot, uh, mm-hmm. and and it's a lot easier to talk about you, uh, this image of you, rather than talk right uh, straight you to bet. you. So I think it's very very important to kind of remember. So, but I don't have a specific question, but I'd love to tap Larry on anything that's kind of stirring around in your head as far as anything we left out or. I think I think I'm empty. I think that's think all. Empty? That was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Larry, what's it like well, being an, an elder at a church? <laughs> She's just really curious about that question. I know, but I'm just I'm just so curious. Well, I'm still trying to figure that out as well. But it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing to get to know these other guys uh, really well. I I'm working with people who really really love the Lord and um, uh, taking on some pretty uh, meaty topics along the way. And so uh, yeah, it's kind of a behind the scenes group of guys that I know really cares about the kingdom. So. And what, and what everybody needs to know is uh, we had a group of elders that started that we put together before One Life Ever Even Opened, and Larry was the first one that came in after that. He was sort of the new guy. Uh, but we did bring him in by putting him in a situation where we were de- – it wasn't a church discipline, but it kind of was. Uh, we just interjected him in to see how he would do, and uh, that's how he, he kind of got our attention. And once he kind of passed without losing his temper or freaking out or throwing <laughs> things or leaving the church or whatever else – it wasn't disciplining him, by the way. It was just watching him him deal with a very complex issue and we watched him handle it with such wisdom and grace and humility and all that we thought we got to get this guy i mean he's uh, and so we asked him to join the team that this is nothing that i plan to say but that's one oh. thing that i i really appreciate about larry we had a, a conversation a couple weeks ago and it was just like as we're talking i just appreciated that he he does like he is exactly what you said like he listened um, he has good insight, but he also says, you know, oh, I never thought about that before. I'm glad you said that. And it's like, it's not just a, a one-sided conversation. And I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that you are one of the people on our elder board because it makes me happy. <laughs> there you go. Because Sarah's Brett, happy. That's, she said that because Brett said you cool. decide what everybody makes. That's why she <laughs> that's said that. Oh, that, that's <laughs> right. That's, that's right. She's that's the one. Dang it. I really good thought life. she was being sincere. I really am. I really am. Oh, thank you, Sarah. And, well, yeah. No, I just like making podcasts. You don't have to pay me anymore. i like, mm-hmm. this is fun. Um, but as we kind of close up, Brett, um, I do have a question for you okay. because we did get seven questions from Kyle. Um, and I got one new one, <laughs> one this week. Okay. Yeah, one new one this week from a guy named Gary. And uh, if anybody wants to add a question for Brett or any comments or feedback from the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. And the question for this week is, um, this one's a, a little bit longer, but it says, referencing the experience of your friend's incredible generosity to send you and your family to see Taylor Swift, if that were to happen again, but with a band you really couldn't stand so much that you turned down the offer, what band would it be? A, a band I really couldn't stand so yeah. much that I turned down the offer? Yeah. 
the, the first one that comes to mind is Twisted Sister because I saw the. <laughs> did you might <anybody> remember <laughs> Twisted yeah. Sister? Yes. Yeah. I saw Twisted Sister in concert, worst concert I've ever seen. It, it, was, it was, yeah, I saw them. Mm. They were opening for Rat. It was just during that era, for those of you who know and care about that sort of thing. I was actually at the show and, and no, you couldn't pay me to go back. You couldn't pay me to, yeah. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they're out there anymore. I don't know very many modern bands. Uh, I don't know that I had a band it, in yeah, mind, but, that but was. I, I wouldn't, that was unexpected yeah. for some reason. I figured you'd pick like more of a modern era. Uh, yeah, I, I probably should have, but I just, no, I, thought, I still, that lives in my mind is the worst <laughs> concert. I've seen a lot of concerts and that was, so, man, you guys tune your guitars or something. it was just, it was just something was off. They were probably, I don't know who knows. They sang, but, uh, we're not going to take it, right? Yeah. Is that one of the yeah, songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. But it's from that era that I played in a metal band. I mean, I enjoyed, you know, all that whole stuff. But yeah. yeah. So Interesting. <laughs> it's a, it's you a guys... really interesting question. Now, it also needs to be noted for our question asking thing. Yeah. I mean, I know people want to know things like that. Maybe about me, or I guess they know. But also send in comments about questions that you would love to us to discuss or talk yeah. about or address or whatever. Last week we talked about tongues. People had found me and said, I found that really interesting. And so things you want to know or comments that you'd like to make about how we can make things better around here, that'd be awesome as well. Yeah. So. I had someone stop me and said that they... Uh, sent that podcast to a friend, and since then they both have had a, a pretty good conversation about it. And I was like, "Wow, that's awesome!" Like, yeah. we were just a conversation starter to, for people to continue talking about that. So exactly. we'd love more of that and more of that feedback. So we appreciate that. Um, Brett, what is uh, what are you talking about this next week? What can people well, it's not for? me. It is Ben Stewart who's well, going right. very, very, very well. And uh, look how excited Sarah got. Hey, uh, it's Ben Stewart, and uh, <laughs> like it's the ben. one that someone else has done. I I, I took off several uh, weeks during the summer, so I felt like I needed to just get back in and really do several weeks in a row. So I did several weeks in a row, and now I know I don't usually do that. Uh, but Ben Stewart is going to be talking about mission, and uh, he is uh, into global missions. But we're talking about that this table we invite others is the idea and so what does that really look like uh, just being a family on mission and being fam a family in the church that invites other people to that table and thinks about so the angle and approach I'm not sure what he's going to take so I'm looking forward to it I'm going to listen to it and be there and I'm pretty sure Ben and Noah from Uncharted are going to be on the podcast next week too so oh wow yeah. I was just going to ask that question yeah Good. they're going to join us yeah. and talk a little bit about yeah. some things coming up with Uncharted so well, first of all, thank you, Larry, and thank you, Ryan, for Thanks hanging for out with us today. It's great to be here, as always. Good time. And Brett, it's always fun hanging out. I'm glad to know that. Yeah, just throw that in there. Um, <laughs> again, if you guys want to send any feedback, you can send it to podcast at onelifechurch.org, or you can go find more information about One Life at onelifechurch.org. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Inman. The One Life Church podcast is produced by me and Thomas Bernardin. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.